And this is Quite Like, a podcast. Welcome to S2E2. I've been waiting to say that all day, Tim, uh, of Quite Like, a podcast with me, Rory Forbes. And me, Tim Dedman. That S2- sounds like a really expensive London postcode. Well, it sounds like a postcode to you. To me, in my childish mind, it sounds like a new Star Wars robot. S2E2. S2E2. Did you know, here we go, London postcodes. In 1914, there was 12 postal deliveries a day in central London. Wow. That is fascinating. So if you had a residence in central London, you could theoretically expect to have up to, did you say 12 or 14? Potentially 12. 12 deliveries. So presumably if somebody posted something in a post box at 8 o'clock in the morning, it could be delivered at 10 o'clock in the morning. The new novel by Robert Harris is about the outbreak of the First World War. And the fictional bit is about somebody who was having an affair with the Prime Minister. And they basically communicated with each other by their version of email, which was just writing each other a letter. And they were getting it like two hours later. Wow. Now, clearly, living in the right part of London and posting to Downing Street probably had something to do with that. It's probably easier. In the the commentary, it said it, and, you know, Harris is very good for his facts. What's the name Um, of the book? It was 12 a day. Oh, oh. Put you on the spot there. You have. I will research it while we're talking. Fantastic. The The reason I found this is I've just read his current book, which is called Act of Oblivion, which is about Oliver Cromwell and the execution of Charles the First. Yes. And then the reintroduction of the monarchy with Charles the Second. Second, yeah. And about how they pursued the people who had signed the death warrant under Cromwell for Charles the First. And basically two of them went to America where the British pursued them remorselessly. And finally, one of them died of old age and one of them got caught up with and executed about 12 years later. Fascinating, yeah. He always writes a good book. He always captures a good historical kind of scenario and weaves story around it. He does. Um, Fatherland was the first idea about the... um, Assuming the Nazis had won, had won, won the war, right. and it, but it was it was set in about 1968, I think. Hitler was very old, but Speer had built Berlin, and it's a fabulous novel. Recommended yeah, to everybody. Things happening around Westminster Abbey or something like that. Yeah, that was yes. a really good good story. Yeah. Can Can I just add to your comment on twelve deliveries a day? My my daughter and her fiance live in or almost central London. They live in Hackney or Acne. Um, it's a lovely spot, if you pardon the pun, in, in East London. Um, is that they, a rehearsed joke? That, that wasn't rehearsed. I made that up on the on the cuff. Very good. I'm rather, very rather good. proud of it, Tim. Thank you very much for noting it. Um, they they have not 12 postal deliveries a day. They get about four or five um, refuse collections a day. Because of the nature of central London, flats, apartments, front doors busy roads, etc. There's nowhere for bins to exist. So they just put black bags outside their front door or piles of cardboard outside their front door. And, you know, within an hour or two, it's swept up by the refuse guys, picked up and taken away. If they have some more rubbish, they put it outside their front door, gets picked up an hour or so later. So there's a regular cadence of collections of refuse, much aligned to the deliveries. Yeah. That's remarkable. And what I can do in the space that you've just brought me is say the new novel, I think it's out in August, is called Precipice. Precipice. So it, it's about the build-up to World War One, with, ooh, let me think, Gabrielle 
Princep and the Black Hand shooting Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Ferdinand in, it's in, all that, but it's set against a love sto- an illicit love story in Downing Street. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, August twenty fourth, I believe. Art, art isn't Downing Street famous for having lots of illicit stories, fictional or otherwise, illicit um, twists and um, relationships that shouldn't have happened, allegedly. Wouldn't couldn't possibly comment. We'll draw well, a swift veil. Was over it that. John Major, John Major, and Edwina Curry? Allegedly, and again, I'm drawing a very thick, heavily lined curtain over that one. Exactly. <laughs> So, so moving on, um, what have we been up to? Um, last time we spoke, we'd just enjoyed New Year. We sort of embarked upon uh, New Year resolutions. Um, we, we, we committed in public to fulfilling a number of resolutions and, and attempting to stick at them. I think we'd, you'd given yourself a to-do list of a couple of items and I'd already embarked upon mine. And uh, I am happy to report, listeners, Tim, uh, my collective consciences that uh, I am keeping up the pace on my fitness regime um, in terms of rowing, which was one of the things I think I mentioned, obviously in support of our friends in the middle of the Atlantic somewhere, or not quite in the middle now, they're almost at the end. Yeah, I think they're well over into the final third now of the, the crossing, I believe, struggling against wind and weather and rain and so on. Um, Did you see that the first finishers have finished? I didn't. That's amazing. This afternoon, um, I don't know how many, I wanted to say four, I might be wrong. The four submariners from the Royal Navy stepped onto terra firma this afternoon and Ella was very impressed because they didn't stagger. Now I said that was because because apparently when you've been rowing and you've been tossed on the briny you tend to take a while to get used to uh, dry land but I said it was because they were submariners so they were obviously briny seamen who were used to that. That's right, yes yes indeed. Is this HMS Ordacious? It could well be. I think so, that's that's the Navy, if I recall that's at least one of the Navy uh, groups, sorry, just hit my microphone there. One of the Navy groups that is in taking part in the in the, the toughest race, toughest row. That's great news. Well, so my rowing, I have now stepped up. I think we're now almost three weeks into the year, and I started off doing two and a half thousand kilometers. I think I might have shared that I'd done a three thousand not three thousand kilometers. Excuse me. <laughs> Rewind two and a half thousand meters, two point five k. Um, I'd got up to 3.5k, then I crept up uh, after a week to 4k in a single sitting without stopping, uh, and I'm now at 5k rowing w- without stopping for a breath, and it's um, it's feeling comfortable, it's easy, but I'm feeling positively good about it because I'm I'm feeling it in my body, in my torso, in my legs, um, and the CV exercise of that as well is is really really coming together. So I'm I'm absolutely chuffed with myself. And something you've often commented on, Tim, is Tim is keeping data logs. So I've got a spreadsheet where I'm putting every uh, entry in, so I can track and graph and model how I'm doing. So my my giving you homework for next week is to work out how long it will take you at current rate of progress to complete the Atlantic Road. Right. So I think it's just over three thousand proper miles. I think not nautical miles, three thousand yes. miles. Yeah, so that so, would be around about five thousand kilometers won't it so yeah yeah. as opposed to five kilometers that i'm doing so it should be 
a thousand times. I, I do it in about 21 minutes at the moment. I just broke 21 minutes uh, last night. In fact, I did 20 minutes and 30 odd seconds. So um, it's around 20 minutes, let's say. So a thousand times 20 minutes is probably Don't how spoil long the fun. Don't spoil I, I, I will, I will. So we need real-time duration. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, and the, and the date. If I did it once a day, if I rode for... No, no, your current cadence, to use the, to use the phrase, out of the word. Um, you know, when, when will you finish? So if it's the 31st of March or whatever. Yeah. And, you know. Right, that, that. you're on. And that will have to make a, an appearance on the Instagram as well as some visual. Jane will need to take a photograph of you, you know, when the moment you hit shore. Yes. Or you could simulate it because there'll be a bump. <laughs> What I have also started doing uh, is using my Bluetooth headphones. I've been to the gym and listened to the radio that's played out over the tannoy, but I've also started listening to podcasts on my um, uh, headset whilst I'm rowing, you, and that also you, makes the time pass very quickly. Do you listen to this podcast? I have listened to this podcast for quality purposes. Is that, is that like a form of self-abuse, would you say? Well, it's a, it's a form of quality assurance. It's a form of, you know, being concerned about giving our listeners the best possible experience. Um, I also do it offline, not with the online version, because the online version, I don't want to skew our listener statistics, which are obviously rapidly increasing week Boomy. by week, Boomy. episode by episode. I, went, I, I swam the channel for diabetes research. Did so you? Every, every yeah, every, every year they do a um, uh, channel challenge in the sort of first months of the year. I suppose to coincide with the kind of fitness boom that there always is in January. Yeah, of course, yeah. So, so ba basically, you get wall charts and you get freebies and goodies, and you you get sponsored to swim across just doing the distance. Sure. So I, th I think it was February or March. So I, I set out and did it and. You know, I, I, at that time I was going three three times a week, and I was doing. Well, I think I I would do between thirty and forty lengths, depending yeah. on how I felt and sure, sure. so forth. But you know, it's, it's over a month and a bit, I I you know easily did that and so I'm the um, wanting wanting to go for the quirky thing. I we were going to France on holiday, and I think in April. So I, we actually I actually forced. I don't think the children were with us, but I forced Ella to drive down to the front at Calais and photograph me um, by the sign for Calais um, and then obviously put posted it on Instagram and so forth with, <laughs> with, with, with the claim that, that I'd fin finally arrived, which was cheap and nasty, but that's, oh so That's oh so our typical. sense of humour. It totally is our sense of humour, yes. Yes. Mm. Excuse me, excuse me, coffee. Um, how have you done on your resolutions? So this I think year, I, have, I, I had three. So... As I would always do, ticking off the easiest one first, I went and um, registered at the library in Newport, which I think is the Mountbatten Library, um, a fine building that I always assumed was the bus station office, yep. but actually isn't, and it goes back a long way. Really, really a rather good library. So the last time I was a member was in um, uh, in rugby, which had a nice library, and also in Birmingham, where I went to Solihull Library. And this actually, given smaller population, stands up really well. Um, in, I always, before I go in, I always think about three books that either I'd like to read or have read and enjoyed, and then go and try and find them on the shelves. And yeah, that's my kind of quality. It's a bit like a map. 
Yeah. I always think of somewhere we've stayed on holiday. If I'm looking at a map, see if I can find it. Yes, yes, I and agree, yeah. I found all the books, so I was very impressed. Um, and as I think you know, there are a wealth of online tools. Yes that make it worthwhile even if you never visit, visit the physical library. Yeah. So lending books, lending audio, and lending uh, reading newspapers. And magazines. And, so and magazines, yeah. indeed. So I think we spoke anyone out there who, who isn't time. or yeah. hasn't, really get down to your local library. Join the library. Definitely join the library. We, we uh, I think we mentioned this last time, but I'll repeat it again quickly because this is a public service message from Quite Like a Podcast to all our listeners. Join the library. Get a free reader app and ditch any of your costly subscriptions for physical magazines that come through the post. What about might... those of us who love to touch and feel newsprint? <clears throat> Go and buy some chips. So I don't think that there's anything like the touch and feel of a copy of Viz in your hands on those visits to the loo that is actually the same as taking your phone. I, I do get what you're saying. Sorry, I should point at my microphone here. I do get what you're saying. However, I think in the modern world, I mean, I'm, I spend my working day dealing online on screen, sat in front of a screen dealing with digital information, digital documents. I, I get what you're saying. I am reading a physical book. I'm reading James O'Brien's How They Broke Britain at the moment, which is a Christmas present. Um, not reading it as quickly as I would like, but it's uh, that is a hardback, so I'm, I'm enjoying the physical holding of that. But I'm I'm not at the point where I would lose the joy of reading a book if I was reading it digitally. I've got a Kindle, which I use as well, but I've also got a tablet and I can flick through things on my tablet. I can flick through things on my phone and I get the same experience because I'm more immersed in the content than in that tangible uh, tactile feedback that you're talking about in a physical book. So I'm not with you on that, I have to say. We, we, we part company on that but uh my phone always accompanies me on visits to the the water closet um i wouldn't take a book in there if, to be honest As, so i most of my formative life was spent taking a book and disappearing into the toilet um i yeah so I, i've actually got a good selection of books for christmas which will need to be read in yeah. hard copy and i i do enjoy that but I'm a keen Kindle follower, and most of what I read is electronic. But yeah. um, I still subscribe to a daily newspaper yes. in hard copy, and I don't think you can beat the feel of turning the pages. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I, 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 I certainly don't deny you your pleasure, um, but but nor do I say it's the only way. Um, interestingly, pod, podcast um, cross-reference here, there was a, I think a, whilst rowing, I was listening to Alistair Campbell, Rory Stewart on The Rest is Politics, and they asked each other the question, how many books do you have on your bedside table? Did you did you hear that one? On that well, I certainly did. And Alistair said that he just, at his wife's insistence, had moved them down to the floor because the pile was too dangerous, tottering by his head. Yeah, and but he'd moved it. He had one. Yes. His wife had twelve. Yes. And Rory Stewart rather smugly said, "All of mine are on a Kindle." And I think he, he then confessed to having about 2,800 on his Kindle. That's right. Which comes to one of those great modern problems is does a Kindle or any other kind of tablet that is full of Kindle literature weigh more than a 
a tablet or a phone that has nothing on it. And this has been researched at Stanford, I believe. Is there an answer to this? Yes. Has it appeared on James O'Brien's Mystery Hour? Yeah, probably. For validation. I'm going to hazard a guess that at an atomic level, the electronic state of a bit or a byte has a, a, dis, a difference, I'm going to su suggest. Am I right? Yes, you are. And wow. I, I mean, it, it's infinitesimal, but um, yes. apparently there is a slight increase in weight if it's lo loaded up with the works of Shakespeare. Yeah, yes. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Now, my other two resolutions, yep. um, one was to complete a care plan following visiting Macmillan's. Now, I haven't yep. done that, but I have the form and I'm kind of poised. The final one, more interestingly, was to make a movie. Yes, now, I remember. there is progress in what is a somewhat long-term project, but I have around 20 clips of film for my pilot episode. Ooh. I also have a pilot script. Do you, Tim? Which you may care to talk about. And also, my son today advised me on possible editing software. Oh, super. So, you know, given that we're only halfway through the first month, that for me represents progress. Are, are, are we to share with our listeners any of the uh, kind of surprise content on this or are we to leave it as a hanging device to refer to in future episodes? I think they should um, go and have a look at the crowdfunding um, opportunities. <laughs> yes. I mean, who are we going to cast in the lead role? Well, it needs somebody with a very sexy Scottish voice. Um, we just have to try and find someone. Ah, uh, I think Sean Connery recently passed, so he's not necessarily uh, available anymore. But uh, maybe we can find someone to stand in for the shed, we, Superman. We shall to victory. <laughs> do you remember the hunt for Red October? I, I indeed I do. Yeah, and uh, this is a very quick tip for people. If you want to do a Sean Connery impression, all you have to do is whenever a word requires an S, you replace it with a sh. And you cannot help but talk like Sean Connery. I guarantee you'll be the talk of the pub, the talk of the party, if you do that. Do you remember Shona Spurkle in the um, High Life? I do, I do. Do Connor, do Sean Connery saying Shona Spurkle? Shona Spurkle. Oh, I'm drenched in dribble. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, yeah. Movie Hollywood comes to the Isle of Wight. I mean, the Isle of Wight. We covered in previous episodes some of the the TV and indeed movie um, uh, location setting, either just purely being used as a convenient location, or actually using the Isle of Wight as a backdrop to the story and the plot. So, um, us adding to the body of work, um, or should I say, you, Mr. Spielberg. Um, uh, adding to the body of work where the island is is a setting is going to be uh, quite the revelation. Yeah, so I guess as with everything in life, I, I always reach for a pilot, which can then be buried and destroyed if, if appropriate. So my idea is to make something about five minutes long with yeah. some kind of narrative, just using bits of video and maybe a little bit of music to prove that it can be done and I understand how to do it before branching into something a little bit more ambitious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. Well, um, 
we will leave that one hanging as a tease for the moment, but I think we'll we'll certainly revisit that. I don't think it'll take too long to, to put together, and if you're advised on the correct editing tools, then it shouldn't be long in post-production either, but uh, much shall fun we take, should be had. Shall we take a short break and then come back and talk about some of the great things that we saw on the island last year? Let's do that. We'll be right back. back after a short break and um you know we've had our christmas break new year break and it's an opportunity uh, as we've begun looking forward to resolutions and things we're going to do project wise over 24 opportunity for us tim to look back at 23 and what our highlights are what did we really quite like about the island in particular but perhaps more generally but specifically let's focus on the island um during 2023 discoveries pleasure palaces, um, things we want to share. Um, These are the things that define our lives and probably our wives' lives as well. So why don't we start with coffee shops, which I know are high on the agenda. I mean, coffee shops, meeting places, places where in the past business would have been done. Lloyd's Insurance Syndicate started as a coffee house, I believe, and people I think did... the early banks as well in Italy. Yeah, they, essentially they did, did their deals over a... Over a yeah, yeah over a brew or a beverage. So coffee shops now, modern context, great social places, places to meet for a a drink and a cake and a natter, catch up with friends and loved ones and so on. But also opportunity to see different parts of the world, the island, and most attractions have a cafe come coffee shop attached to them. So an excuse to blend a bit of refreshment with a little bit of culture, history, um, and so on. We are literally spoiled, I would say, on the island for places to have a nice cup of coffee. Indeed. Um, uh, so one, one or two that you'd like to highlight? Yeah, I, I think my wife Jane and I have begun compiling for our own purposes what we call a mini league table. Um, things fluctuate in position-wise, but uh, we definitely have a number one coffee destination on the Isle of Wight that we're pretty consistently clear on, and that is, and we've referenced this before, listeners, the Garden in Cowes, mm-hmm. just off the high street in Cowes, which is a small Italian um, coffee shop, bistro, restaurant. Uh, it's called The Garden because it's got this beautiful walled garden out the back, which in the summer is just an absolute oasis. Uh, brick lined, loads of planting in there, running water, patio heaters if it's a slightly inclement day, but they serve the most delightful cup of coffee. We've talked about their cooked breakfast. We've talked about the range of things you can have at lunch and so on. Very big on pizzas as well um, for evening and, and a wide variety of pasta dishes. So very Italian themed. And of course, the Italians, talking about, you know, Italian banks and so on, as you were, Tim, uh, anyone would think this was planned, um, renowned for their coffee still to this day. And the coffee is the creamiest, cremiest coffee that we found on the island. So that's our top recommendation for what would what would be the number two number two is cafe isola another italian themed in terms of the naming convention anyway which is in the heart of newport right in the central of the commercial shopping office district in, in newport town center here in the island and isola is italian for island i believe and cafe isola therefore is i mean island cafe um they're also renowned for producing their own, they roast and grind their own coffee and they sell the coffee, I believe, 
right across the island to other coffee houses. Um, and they've got a really cool coffee menu the coffee's always come perfectly to order they've got beautiful coffee art what, what's that called on the top when you when they do the art and they produce love hearts and beans and swans and things is there a name for that i think it's probably just coffee art coffee art yeah yeah there might be another kind of foamed milk art or something but uh that's always perfect as well so the attention to detail the quality of the coffee it's always um right up there so that's our Second best, and again, the Italian theme may have something to to do with that. Kathy, Kathy is alert. I think it is a really good all rounder. The food is not completely vegetarian, but certainly a, a very strong yeah. vegetarian leaning. And they they do a really wonderful breakfast that is uh, features lots of island produce, a little bit of bacon, um, but but very good. So I I'm putting that at number two. Now, if we're just choosing on the basis of coffee, sure, absolutely. I'm going to yeah. go a little bit off piece here. And on um, Sunday morning, we went and did a lap of the Ventnor Botanic Gardens, which I know sure. is a, fa- a, a favourite of, of yours. And I would say that their coffee was the best that I've drunk on the island recently. I, I quite like a flat white um, yes. if, I'm, if I'm drinking out. And the problem is I, I find that they're often lukewarm and tepid. Yeah. But to the Botanic Gardens, it was both hot and sort of strong and flavoursome. So from a coffee perspective, and also sitting out on the terrace on a summer's day is a fine place to be. What a view, yeah. So I, I would like to toss in, in the Botanic Gardens. Now, if we're talking about breakfast, perhaps that's another category that we should come on to. I mean, in our early days, we spent an awful lot of time on breakfast. But we did. Let's just recap that. I mean, so... If you were having your last breakfast on Earth, and one or two of these would probably constitute an appropriate last meal on Earth, where where would you go on the island for your for your last meal? You're on death row. You've got one breakfast. We're talking breakfast again, aren't we? So yeah, we're talking breakfast. breakfast. <clears throat> I think I would probably sit with our and regular listeners will be aware of our certainly my preference to Bestie and Spinkies on Ventnor Seafront and the Ventnor Special or the Vent yeah it's called the Ventnor Special now isn't it it used to be called the Ventnor Bay Special but it's now the Ventnor Special which is a a very hearty generous portion of everything um it is and I I think I will join you there are other very good offerings I mean Harvey Browns I think gets a yes. gets gets a mention um blueberries up on the cliffs uh Near Shanklin is is very there, there's lots of good ones and, and the garden but, cows as well has a st- in, stunning, as you as you've too. said yeah. best in the spinkies though I think we both yeah. agree excellent produce lots of local stuff big portions high quality and also I remember your children had lots of interchangeability so if you wanted eleven hash browns. <laughs> And some baked beans, no names, no pack drill. That was done with a smile and a way. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You pays your money, you takes your choice. And uh, so, uh, absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, those are just a few examples of the things that are great, great uh, candidates for best coffee. But also, as you say, the broader range of offerings also kind of can sometimes colour your judgment. If it was raw coffee, pure coffee that you're considering yet you might have a different league table but if you add in the food you know the the pastry the patisserie the, the cake offerings that they have as well you might change your position subtly and don't um, forget ambience uh, indeed um, the ambience is always important isn't it because you're you're doing a lot of people watching in coffee shops that now, is part of the fun can i can i ask you a, a question on this 
are you comfortable in a coffee shop on your own? I am because because I, I'm I'm a, a solitary reader, and I also worked away an awful lot in my working life. Yeah, as I think as I know you did. So the idea of going into a restaurant or a bar with a copy of the newspaper tucked under my arm or a book. Um, has never really been a problem at all. And I think we're both quite gregarious fellows. So the chance of initiating a conversation was never kind of out of consideration. Correct, so, yeah. no, it's never bothered me in the slightest, yeah, like, like, to be honest. Likewise, uh, when, when I joined the library recently, I think the day of the last podcast recording, um, I, I had to, I had some minutes to kill for some reason. I can't precisely remember why I had minutes to kill, but I, I had a pass. I was given permission to pass those minutes sitting in the Freshwater Coffee House in Freshwater Village here. I enjoyed a flat white and a, I think a cookie and read all about the library tools that I just signed up to, you know, signed on, logged on, downloaded apps to that whilst I was sat having a coffee. And, and it was glorious. And there was a Beautiful window looking out on the street so you can see all the people passing by, people on the buses, um, people coming and going, listening in and other conversations. It was uh, totally pleasant. And again, a really good cup of coffee. I was going to say, another. we've only been there a couple of times, but another very creditable coffee house yeah. worth a mention is that one on... There's several on Freshwater High Street, but that one, is it the coffee house? The very Freshwater Coffee day. House is, is a yeah. good one. Um, the the couple that run that or ran that as a couple, uh, Becky and Stefan. Stefan now does um, training for the UK Sailing Academy, UKSA, on baristas. So uh, there's been something on the, the, the local news tonight around, you know, the work of UKSA because of the um, arrival on the screens again of the next episode of Below, the next series of Below Decks, you know, covering reality TV on the, the big super yachts, how staff work on the, the super yachts, a bit upstairs and downstairs for the super yacht generation. And um, he teaches them how to make a coffee you know, obviously using the right equipment and so on and delivering it to the expectations that the the mega rich would have of their fine coffees. So, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of really interesting people devoted to their coffee, uh, multiple different coffee providers on the island in terms of people who've got the roasting facilities and the grinding facilities and they wholesale it quite widely. So, yeah, the other one on Ventnor is called the Sugarloaf um, Ventnor. Um, not Ventnor. <laughs> Apologies, listeners. Freshwater Village. It's called the Sugarloaf. That's the other kind ah, of cafe. Okay. Um, and, so and there I, we go. Now, back to more humble origins. What about fish and chips? Well, <clears throat> fish and chips. Being an island, we would, um, of course, have lots of access to, <clears throat> excuse me, fresh fish and um, the great British um, takeaway staple. Um, it is a great British invention, isn't it, fish and chips? Before I get, get into local highlights. I, I think when you go back into the history, fried fish tends to come from the Jewish community. Right. Chips is claimed by a number of different groups. I, I, th I think it's the combination of the two is probably British. And there's and it, you Google it, there's a number of different places that claim to be the first. But, yeah, yeah you're looking, looking mid-19th, early mid-19th century. We'll probably find that it was some Viking delicacy that was imported and kind of found its way through different cooking techniques to become the the, the super fryers of the the fifties and sixties that we know we know and love. But yeah, the, 
there's a there's a site on Facebook I think called the um, Fish and Chip Group or something similar, and um, a, a bit like all of the other groups that look at these things, it's made up of sad men who go out and <laughs> report about their journeys to the only coal fired um, burners anywhere in East Yorkshire, only cooking in beef dripping, with <laughs> cooked by children who've been up the chimneys all day and are earning it as a second living. Sounds um, like paradise, that does. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, you know, it's out there on Facebook. Okay. Well, look, in terms of, if I can sort of dominate initially with a West White legend, there's two fish and chip shops in um, the West White, uh, one in Freshwater Village and one in Totland Bay, um, literally next door to the post office at Totland Bay, and that is called Totties, which is a great play on the village name, Totland. Um, uh, obviously raises the smile, and I'm, I'm thinking of um, uh, Wallace and Gromit all the time when I think of Totty. I don't know why. There's a, Is there a character called... Yes, I, I think um, Wallace has, has a romance in possibly right. a matter of loaf and death. I think That's she's the one. Or is yeah. it the, no? Or is it the weir rabbit? Was it Lady Totty? I'm not sure. Could be a Totty or Totterton or something like that. Yes. Our, anyway. our listeners will correct us. Totty's is a fish and chip shop that was recommended to us by the estate agent when we bought the house here, and she said best best fish and chips in the West White are Totty's and stunning, generous portions, cooked fresh to order, so you do have to wait for it. They, they don't have things curling and crisping in their kind of warm storage uh, windows. Um, everything's cooked to order, and um, generous chips, good sized fish, and always fresh, always. Tasty, just just perfect, great batter. Uh, run by Turkish guys, and uh, they also do kebabs and you know burgers and other other staples. But the, the kebabs, both doner and shish style kebabs, look absolutely tasty. But we've never never entertained those yet. I I, I completely agree. We've bought it a couple of times and eaten down on the front. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. The one drawback is the sign currently in their window that says closed from the end of October to. Beginning of April. April, April, or sometime in April twenty four. Yes, they're they're having an elongated holiday. They're having, I think, some refurb work done uh, in the meantime. But that's almost six months that the village has been without its kind of um, favourite fish and chip shop. So um, how are we surviving? Well, luckily we have a, a very good Chinese takeaway, um, uh, three hundred and thirty one feet away from our house, uh, which is called Sunbo, uh, and that does a really good traditional, straightforward simple range of Chinese takeaway dishes that the Brits love. Um, not sophisticated, but hearty, uh, really good. But there is another fish and chip shop in Freshwater called Rainbows. And that always seems very popular because there's always a queue. And it's... That's on the triangular corner. Yeah, exactly. As you drive so. along the high street where the road divides. That's right. Yeah. There's kind of big one-way island around which the, the, the gyrates around the village. Um, and uh, it's uh, the, the, what's it would be the do, 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 south easterly most edge of that gyratory system is rainbow it, it, it's rather weird because it has a logo that makes it look like it should be a software firm yes software firm or some kind of well-being charity um yes. inclusive charity was well, got a rainbow so that that of course is the that's a chip shop rainbow. nonetheless yeah, okay. a chip shop. yeah yeah so, so i'm going to trump all of those by the the island's best the one and only aussies yes. on pa pan estate yeah um legendary my only advice would be if you go 
however many you're feeding only ever order one portion of chips. Um, the portions are ridiculous. They're clearly feeding pan and see it as their mission in life. Um, the small fish is the size of a whale. Um, the other, you get Jonah included if you have the big one. It's, it's immense and um, a lot of fun. A guy, I think I, I may have mentioned this either off air or on air with you in the past. I can't quite remember, but I've I've worked with a guy for many years in, in my industry who's, it turns out, his cousin is Aussie. Um, well. So it's small, again, another indication of this small world, six degrees of separation. Small um, island we live on. Yeah, and uh, I was speaking to him uh, just before Christmas, in actual fact, the, the guy I know, and mentioned where I live, and he explained he has a relative on the other way who opened a fish and chip shop, got talking, found out which one it was, and I said, it's got a very good reputation. He he didn't appreciate that, but he was delighted to hear it. So, um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Now then, coming towards the end of our time, getting to the really important categories, if you had to choose one pub? Easy. Go on. Um, it might surprise you as well, but it is now easy for us. Um, it's the Wheat Chief in Yarmouth. Okay. I heard you mention this over Christmas. Yeah. Absolutely um, charming location. So Yarmouth, for those of our listeners who don't know, is a kind of an old sea fishing village. Um, uh, quite a illustrious ancient history. It's got a castle. Um, I think it's been quite a significant, may have been invaded by the French upon occasions as well, hence the castle. Um, uh, lovely cobbled streets, little back alleyways, lots of little independent shops, quite a selection of pubs, at least three or four pubs all within staggering distance of each other. Um, bakery, um, a fantastic corner shop um, called Harvey's is in Yarmouth. So Yarmouth is a great destination. The pier, a um, couple of coffee shops, cafes, really good coffee sold in, in those shops. But pub, the, the wheat sheaf at Yarmouth has a real ambience, use that word again, a real vibe. It, it kind of feels like an oldie worldie village pub. It's got a seaside vibe to it um, it's got really good food a capability menu um, they always have a good selection of ales they have a craft ale kind of um, what's it called room they do beer testings beer tastings they do gin tastings uh, tours where you sign up for x number of beers to be delivered to you with food or without food um, so the whole thing is just a great kind of concept that's executed very well. In the summertime, they have a, a fish and chip takeaway window as well. Um, they've got a nice garden at the back. Uh, they do live music. It's just, it's got everything. And we've, we've been there with the kids who've come over on, on quite a number of occasions now. And we should take you, Tim. Let's, let's do that. So I'm going to mention a couple before my favourite. Um, so locally, the Checkers is just beyond walking distance in Rookley, but superb food. Lovely ambience in the bar, dog-friendly, roaring fire, very nice country pub. Um, the Culverdown Inn has become a favourite of ours. Ooh, yes. So as, as a walk on in the summer, sitting outside with a beer, it has views next to none, sitting right up on the top of Culverdown, and their Sunday lunches are to die for. But 
the winner, and I feel very cheesy in saying this from me, is inevitably the um, Spyglass in Inventor, yeah. yes. which often does well in these awards for their sheer consistency. Yeah. Um, and I've never failed to have fun, and um, the dog enjoys it as well. So, yeah, I, I, can again, I say? I, I can't deny you your number one choice, or indeed your number two choice. Um, very fond of the Calvadine Inn, and I can endorse the Sunday lunch um, comment. Um, with interest as well. Spyglass has been part of our summer holidays and visits um, for many, many uh, years. So totally, totally endorse that. Well, on that bombshell... Yes. Now, what other categories would we like to have talked about if we weren't running short of time? I think we, as as a holiday island destination, I think we have the the general um, child trap that is the attraction. You know, um, be it a theme park, be it a a, a museum, be it a, a, a an animal park that that we can take the kids to on hot sunny days for a run around, or even on wet days when there are things to do undercover, and we are gifted as an island with lots of different places um i think black gang chine is worthy of a significant mention for our listeners it's kind of an oldie worldy theme park it has a couple of kind of um vertical inducing rides um not many but a couple uh lots of kind of interesting attractions like a, a, a recreation of a wild west cowboy town um with stagecoach and train that you can have the kids climb all over um we love having cap guns and whether or not we need grandchildren as an excuse we we love buying some cap rounds we've got cap guns and you know playing cowboys and indians um or baddies and goodies uh in in the black gang chain cowboy village that's a, a a great day out and they have some very good deals in the summer holidays for families that you you pay once and you can revisit. I think uh, over the remainder of the next seven days, which is good. okay. So for attractions, I think I'm going to go for the Isle of Wight Steam Railway. Oh yes. Speaking of trains, um, preserved railway from Wooton to uh, just outside Braiding at Smallbrook Junction, with the um, centre of the line being at Haven Street, uh, where there are other museum type attractions and engine sheds to have a good look at and they offer other themed activities yeah. through the year beer festivals cider and sausages all sorts of things a highland for a highland day as highland well. day yes highland gathering i think they call it i yes. think they also have a steam festival for things like traction engines mm-hmm. and so forth in the summer so yeah i i, I would nominate that um what about walks if you had to choose one walk what would you what walk would you choose yeah, I, I think, and again, we're we're embarrassed with a, a quite a wide choice of walks. There's a great walking network. Um, you can download from the government, the Isle of Wight Council's website, a whole series of maps that list a whole series of numbered walks. So you can, if you wish to, not knock them off. But I think, I think I would have to say I'm going to get two answers, Tim. The first is we have a coastal path, so you can literally circumnavigate the island. Um, 
in segments. Uh, you don't have to do it all in one go, and you can, of course. But if you do it in segments, then you can, you can take a leisurely pace for those of a certain age and um, physical capability. Pause for coffee, pause for a pint and a pie and a, 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 a meal. Um, take one of the segments. So I think the coastal path in its totality has to be given a mention. But I think my favourite walk is a local walk here in the West White, which is up onto uh, a National Trust promontory, which is called Heden Warren, um, which we can walk to from the house in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes max. Um, and very quickly you're off road and you're straight onto kind of exposed heathland chalk downs and you have the most glorious views that open up to you when you're, again, not that far out of the village, not that far off the road, um, perhaps not that far away from your car. See the needles around Allen Bay, um, the chairlift, um, you know, the, the great vista that is Allen Bay. Turn the other way towards the north and you see Totland Bay, um, which gives you a great view of the pier, uh, the geography, um, just the scale of the thing. And with the mainland in the distance, it's actually glorious on a clear day. And of course, because you're so high, your view of the mainland across to Bournemouth, Bull, Studland, Swanage, Isla Purbeck is, and, and of course, Pool Harbour is absolutely stunning. So, to be recommended, and again, all National Trust. So um, that's very, very interesting connect. because that was one that Ella mentioned to me the other day, and is on our list to do. It came up on a little video, I think, of sort of uh, National Trust walks on the was, on the island. It was on and Facebook they had a bit, or, they had yeah, a bit yeah, of video, yeah. yeah and I we, saw that, yeah. we both thought, yes, we should do that. So, um, one. So I, I know I know the one that I have to say is my favourite, but another one that gets a, a worthy mention, or two that get a worthy mention, there's one locally in Rookley where um, there's a path across farmland uh, around Bunkers Lane, which um, I thoroughly enjoy with the dog. Another one that a lot of people don't take advantage of is around braiding downs. Um, walking along the top of the downs for the same reasons is absolutely glorious. You look out over Sandown Bay, you can actually see Portsmouth as well because it's one of those bits where you can see both sides of both the sides. island. You're on the ridge. Almost. So yeah, yeah. I'll give that give that a strong mention. But my favourite um, is probably Sea View to Apley. Um, walking along the, the front of Evetment at uh, Seaview and then round the corner um, you have Dell Cafe yeah. walking to the um, the Apley Tower which has been restored by um, by the the island um, charity yeah. Gift to Nature, Gift to nature yeah. is, is pretty wonderful yeah superb so finally and this must be finally one beach one beach to rule them all one beach to Oh, Angel. I mean, again, again, Tim, it's hard because we're Come on, spoiled. Rory, there's only one beach you and I can choose. <sighs> I'm going to disappoint. Can I have two answers? Can I have a one and two? Go on. What is that so you don't disappoint me? Yeah, yeah. At number two, I would put Ventnor Beach. Only because Ventnor Beach isn't always readily accessible to the water for all abilities because it's quite a steeply shelving beach can be shingly at times there's a few rocks out there which we know the location of so we navigate around um and some of the waves can be pretty impressive and crash onto that steeply sloping shingle but don't we just love it for body surfing and you know frolicking in the surf in our daniel craig swimwear um as we and don't we have the scars and wounds we do 
rashes and scars on our chests as we've slid in off the water into beach landing like the old fishing boats used to. Um, Shorts around their ankles, yes. <laughs> scaring the children who hide behind their mother's skirts. Um, but I think Ventnor Beach, of course, it's a favourite beach. Of course, many happy memories. And of course, um, if the weather's right and the conditions are right. You know, you know I, the phrase though, Rory, nothing counts before the but. Yeah, but Colwell Bay is my favourite island beach because we have our beach hut there. It's sandy. The, the water's warmer because it's warmed up by the sand when the, t- the water comes in over a hot, sandy day. Um, the tides are working right. Uh, and it's just glorious. You float, you can swim without having to bob around and compete with waves because the waves aren't that significant most of the time when it's good bathing weather. And there's a lot of life going on because the hut restaurant, you can people watch all the the, the drunken socialites coming in and out, most typically of the the hut restaurant. Um, A lot of boating as well. I like looking at boats because I'm a a keen water sports guy. So, uh, and and there's always a lot of life going on. Ventnor, you see the horizon, um, from Colwell Bay, you see the mainland for sure, but you also see a lot of boating activity, marine activity, and uh, it's it's just engaging. So you see, there you go, Rory being more strategic, wanting to see the kind of short and medium term, whereas some of us taking the much longer term view of the empty horizon. <laughs> I think I think I like Ventnor because it constantly reinvents itself. Oh, no, yeah. no, no two days are ever the same. Yeah. I mean, having you know lived here and visited for the last two and a bit years, every time you go, the the beach has rearranged itself. Yeah, that's right. It's. I mean, of- it, it, it is just constantly in flux. Um, also, the people are quirky. The people of Ventnor are not of this planet often. Um, we we love love them dearly, and um, yeah, Ventnor for me. Yeah. Ventnor for me. I, I I can't deny Ventnor's place in a top two. I really can't. Time for us to go, Rory. Yes, uh, we would love talking with you, talking to you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, this has been quite like a podcast with me, Rory Forbes, and me, Tim Dutton. See you next time. Bye. That was Quite Like, a podcast presented by Rory Forbes and Tim Depp.